This episode is brought to you by my wonderful patrons. Thank you so much to my patrons. They make this podcast possible and also very fun to do because we are able to interact on a private discord where we can talk, discuss topics, and just in general help each other collect the things that we want. So thank you so much to everyone who participates there. I couldn't appreciate you more. This episode is also brought to you by myself. If you haven't already heard, I've been working on a passion project called Cardfolio. It's going to be an app that'll let you scan your cards onto your phone and add them to your virtual binder. Your virtual binder allows you to keep track of not only what you own, but you'll also be able to keep track of what you need. Are you chasing a shadowless master set? If so, Cardfolio will be able to help you keep track of your progress towards your goal so that it makes it easier to achieve it. Cardfolio doesn't just catalog your collection and manage your collecting goals, it will also allow you to see your collection like an actual investment portfolio. This means you'll be able to see how much your collection is worth, how that value has changed over time, and how your collection value breaks down by item type. For example, how much do you have in raw cards versus slab cards versus sealed items? If all of this sounds like an app you would like to download, then join my early access waiting list. I'll keep you updated with app progress, mockups, and when it's available, early beta access. So it'll be fun and it'll be great. The link for the early access waiting list will be in the description below. So go ahead and sign up if that's something that you're interested in. Hello everyone and welcome to the Geeked Out Collecting Podcast where we learn how to collect like damn freaking adults. I am your host Jess and thank you so much for being here with me today. Now first, before we get started, <laughs> I owe you guys an apology. This episode is a little late and that's completely my fault. Burnout hit me like a brick on Thursday so I had to give myself a few days but I'm finally here to release this last episode from this season, season three. What I'm going to do for a moment is honestly just sit back and reflect a little bit because I just finished season three and honestly part of me can't really believe it. I mean when I started this podcast I didn't necessarily have an end goal in mind other than to meet cool people and learn from them. Truly that's as far into the future as I thought of this whole project and come three seasons later with 64 episodes this podcast has almost exceeded every expectation and I couldn't be happier so I just wanted to say thank you thank you to everyone who has been with me this far I don't know what I would do without you part of me finds it so crazy that so many people like to sit down and listen to the things that I say. It's really humbling and I honestly can't really explain it. All I know is just it means a lot to me that you spend your time listening and reaching out. I really appreciate and love how I've made so many truly wonderful friendships with listeners so it's really amazing and again thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you so much. So, so, so much so. Anyways, getting to today's episode, I had a wonderful conversation with Mason from Cards and All Gaming. So listen, enjoy, and I will be back come January 2022 with season four. So thank y'all and enjoy. 
we'll make up for it. It's we shall it. make up for it. Yeah, I agree. I agree with you. Oh my gosh. Hi, Jess. This is so awesome. Hey, Mason. How hey. are you? How's it going? I appreciate it. You know, you just, I'm just so happy to be here. Talk <laughs> yeah. Um, it's really easy to talk about collectibles. Like, it is so easy. Like, yes. hours. You can go for hours just talking I mean, about collectibles. Have you seen stuff. me and Pokenomics live? Sometimes we're on there for four hours and just like nonstop. That is a record because I want to say maybe my longest podcast session was three hours. So mm. if you guys have gone on for four hours, that's awesome. Oh, and yeah, you, you got me deep. It's silly. It's silly. <laughs> of course, it's Jake talking most of the time, but you know, that's you've had yeah. Jake on here, so you know, you know, how he is. Anyways, yeah, no, he's good. He's good. He's one of those guys that you know Jake. so much you want to like unleash. Yeah, you just, yeah, let him go. Definitely. <laughs> but, but yeah. So, but no, I'm really happy to have you on though, because of your really interesting perspective in the hobby. And so I have all of the questions, like all of the questions that I want to get your perspective on. Awesome. So um, I love it. <laughs> it's going to be, it's going to be really good. So I, I hope that everyone can get, you know, something, I think there's something for everyone here. Um, so thank, thank you everyone for hopping on first off, like right away. You guys are awesome. Um, if you guys if you guys haven't heard of Mason, this is Mason and he's Hi. amazing. Um, and he is an LGS owner and he knows all the things. So if, if Mason, if you want to I know talk... all the things, man, that's a loaded statement, man. <laughs> I don't know about all the things. I know some things. I definitely know some things. <laughs> you know, you know certain things very well. Let's put it that way. Sure. So, um, yeah, Mason, if you want to kind of give us just a little bit about you and, um, you know, your shop and the things that you kind of do online, your online presence, um, I'm going to leave the floor to you. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, hi, I am Mason. I own a LGS in Louisville, Kentucky. We've been open in brick and mortar form for five years. So we've been, uh, you know, kind of slowly organically growing our business to where, uh, you know, where we started out in my business partner's garage. Uh, we have moved up and, and moved several times into a bigger, bigger location and kind of, you know, like I said, organically with our community, grew our business into where we are now. We're a 7,500 square foot store that is divided up into several things, but, uh, you know, a pretty large store. Uh, we have a warehouse where we ship things and, and organize stuff. And then we we're working on getting a second location open. So that's exciting. So it's a uh, yeah, busy time, busy time for uh, me, but uh, happy to make time for you, Jess, and all you guys that um, are part of the community. I appreciate everybody. And of course, I do have a YouTube channel. It's the same as my business, Cardinal Gaming, right there. I talk about uh, mostly Pokemon, but I do talk about just game stores in general. And I have a new series that I'm starting that is kind of for everybody that helps out just if you want to interact with a card store or a business like that. Um, some tips and things that'll help you along that you should know beforehand. So um, I got that editing. Editing is terrible. <laughs> I don't know how anybody does it. It sucks and it takes so long, but I'm getting there. I'm working on it. And hopefully this week I'll have the first episode of that out. But I do regularly do like more up-to-date things with like what's being released that week and talk about uh, numbers and whether or not something's gonna be heavily allocated or if it's uh, super, super common to expect it everywhere. Uh, so I try to hit on that kind of stuff along with uh, whenever something new drops, I try to open up a new set as soon as it opens up, you know, just uh, just keep some uh, variation, which I got going on and just hopefully give somebody's 
some more information that you can't really get anywhere else, except some other channels that are awesome as well. But, you know, I try to put my spin on it and make it interesting. So hopefully it's good and entertaining. <laughs> it totally is. I, cool. I like, I like getting perspective from multiple people on sets yes, because sometimes, you know, we always bring our own bias to things. So, you know, Definitely. like brilliant star, for example, that coming out, you know, Man, like what a dumpster fire. Yeah. <laughs> No. I, I, I'm not, I, I, I still don't know enough about that set, so I have no idea um, like what to look forward to or what not to look forward to. But I try to listen to multiple perspectives, like like the actual TCG player perspective. Okay, you know, yes. what are the new cards? What are the new mechanics? How could that affect decks? How can that affect gameplay? Um, but then also, you know, like from a rarity perspective, a pull, like are they doing something new? Oh, they've got gold star this or that or you know whatever the crap the new modern you know, whatever design the crap. yes <laughs> yes sorry new mechanics, new mechanics and things yes yes it's it's all important yeah. it's good things to know because mm -hmm. it, it totally gives you perspective on whether or not it's uh, something unique or if there's some cool subset in there with these character arts or character rares whatever they want to call them and uh, yeah it helps out when you actually know what the set is compiled of instead of just following everybody in the hype because that's how celebrations happens right yeah um and you really have to plan for things because i've myself personally with with pokemon specifically but because i collect other things it adds to it it multiplies that but i've been feeling set yeah. fatigue because it's like okay i tried to get some evolving sky because i'm like okay well you know that'll be interesting let's see what's up with that you know i bought celebrations sure i bought some fusion strike when i saw it at target you know i wasn't even planning on getting anything but i just happened to see it so i'm like let me get two you know so i i'm, I'm feeling all this fatigue because i mean e even too like i had to get some crimson vow um okay. you know i had to get some other innistrad you know like nice. i just feel so much fatigue trying to get sets right now um there's way too many things to buy and so i need to plan a little bit better what i care about more you know yeah i mean we went so long with not being able to find anything mm -hmm. and now that we have you know dealer's choice and whether or not whatever you want to get it's kind of like okay well now i need to think like plan because you can go any order and whatever situation and direction you want to go to now so i get that yeah 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 and i think i think there's a little bit of fomo in it as well because like what if there's a set that comes out like wh for example fusion strike i haven't yeah. opened those boxes yet um but you know what if i open those boxes and i realize i really like them and i miss the boat on it um you know i don't know the, those are just i've just been feeling fatigue like my wallet's been feeling so much fatigue so yeah yeah so yeah but um but i mean you know as far as like as, as far as like getting information on new sets, shoot, I feel like if you're not in LGS, how the hell do you get information <laughs> on, I mean, on like these yeah. new sets? It must be leaks or something. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, yeah. At the same place I get all my information is from Poke Beach. Like I don't have any secret, top secret really? lists that okay. comes out. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I don't not know. Not even from distributors? Really? So that you can't plan on what you need to they buy? They will give you, they will give you basics like, um, hey there's a new mechanic and it's with these pokemon and it's got um you know there's so many v's and v maxes in the set and blah 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 blah. but other than like the the blanket statement like that 
it's <laughs> I'm on Poke Beach just like everybody else trying to figure out what's in the set. So yeah. seriously, how does Poke Beach do it? I need to find someone and have them on the podcast. I mean, I'm, I'm pretty sure he's like would be happy to probably come on here. I'm, I'm sure he would. Oh, you know a uh, person behind Poke Beach? I mean, I can give you his Twitter handle and I'll throw him at you. We, we we shall we shall we shall talk about that later because I'd love to have someone like that on. So yeah, see where he gets his inside information. He probably won't tell me, but I do want to have. I'm sure he he'd be great to have a conversation. Oh, with. absolutely, I'm sure he would. Yeah, um, but you know something that we talked about prior to actually going live was, um, you know, when it comes to see see that's a really interesting thing about being an LGS is that. Um, you have certain aspect to certain kinds of information that might not be apparent. Um, yes. Like for example, you know, you having access to distributors, you can make a call to one distributor trying to get one product and they're like, no, we don't have any more. Then you make your next call. Oh, they don't have any more. And then you make your third call. Oh, they don't have any more. So you kind of have this insight on how difficult um, you know, sets might be able to get how big their print runs might be just because of you interacting with those people. I, I mean, is that is that true? Do, do you agree with that? Have you seen been able to get good ideas of volume? Yeah, I mean, there's definitely you can definitely watch and make sure based on not only stock, but whether or not that stock is super overpriced, even from distributor or not, whether or not something is is being purposely kind of throttled. So it's not mm -hmm. selling out like crazy. Um, there are a lot of distributors out there that will just price things crazy. I, I know a distributor right now that has, uh, if you want a chili rain box from distributor, it's $89. What? Yeah. So uh, and chili rain is, I think, what, like 90, 95, maybe on eBay? I don't know what it's doing right now, but yeah. Mm. Uh, so yeah. So, so sometimes they that, do that kind of stuff. How does that, okay, so how does that work? Because... Um, I, I, I assumed that Pokemon would set the price for a distributor. So they might, I don't know if there is actually is a, a rule, but basically on any sort of allocation that they are given all my stuff that is from like a new set on release, new releases I get for a standard price. Mm -hmm. And then anything after that though, is kind of like whatever they want to do with it. So a lot of the time they'll okay. fulfill all these allocations or maybe they'll even short allocations on purpose so they have enough backstock to sell to anybody at a certain sell price. Again. Mm -hmm. uh, so I don't know. I don't know. I don't have this information, but um, <laughs> I'm assuming that uh, when they're the only ones that have any stock of it and they're selling it for not the typical price, then, you know, well, maybe they bought it. Yeah, maybe they held back a little bit, you know? Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, just stuff like that, you definitely can glean some. Uh, information off of or maybe if i ask for like i'll throw a number a 200 of like the the marnie milk cartons and i only get 40 mm -hmm. it's probably a bad sign of uh, stock and uh, yeah. normally I'd, i only get numbers back like a month before actual set releases so oh, shit. Okay. so people are ordering growing stars and pre-ordering growing stars right now where most places don't even have their allocations to them yet yeah but, yeah um, i saw i saw places like gamestop having uh, pre-orders well i mean EPDs. gamestop yeah. you know they they kind of have their own structure that of how they yeah. fill all that stuff but yeah there's there's tons of websites right now that on even ebay that you can go and buy brain star pre-orders from and i won't get those numbers until uh probably like mid this month mm -hmm. so 
dangerous when they do that, especially when Pokemon likes to just cut these numbers randomly. I was about to say, yeah. Because, There's like, no. how do you go about, um, you know, if, if you have so many pre-orders and you don't have enough to fulfill, I don't even yeah. want to deal with that. <laughs> yeah, that used to happen. That used to happen, um, you know, back in uh, the Shining Fates realm where these waves got really choppy and really weird percentages. Like, they're going to put only a quarter of your uh, allocation the first wave, and then you get half of it the next wave. And then mm -hmm. the next wave was delayed, and then it got pushed back for certain things. It get messy, and you get holding people's money for a long time, and uh, they kind of get pissed off about that. Yeah. Especially if you sold it for uh, a premium price, for it being a pre-order, when it's supposed to happen on release, and then now they can go and buy it for you know, half the price that they paid for it, uh, and they haven't even got their stuff yet. Yeah, yeah. Uh, people get upset. So that's uh, something that uh, places that are, uh, you know, experienced are really careful about, but, you know, other places may be a little more uh, loose with that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, you know, sometimes I feel like as being an LGS owner, you get flack no matter what you do. <laughs> like, <laughs> and, and you, and you chuckle because it's so gosh darn true. Like when you're trying to do right by your customers, all your gouging prices and when places are you know i don't know i've just heard a lot of of uh you know people lashing out at lgs's and some of them are probably warranted and then some you know people forget that at the end of the day you still have to think about your business like a business <laughs> and you need to pay your bills because I, I mean i understand why someone would want to pre-order right sure because you kind of have a guaranteed sale in that from that perspective so you have kind of like a guaranteed money to come in um so I can understand that need. And then you can also kind of gauge, um, you know, how, how much, how much people want that set for. So sure. how much you're going to try to get, you know, out um, of that set. Uh, the other thing is also that if you pre-order with a store, they get that money up front before they even buy the product. Yeah. So it's basically like you fronting the store money to buy your product before oh. they even get it. So yes stores love pre-orders because it's no risk when they have the money for all their stuff up front mm -hmm. and they have to just receive it using that money that they already got from you and then ship it and then or you know give it out that they're a brick and mortar local but yeah uh, pre-orders help uh, stores probably even more so than just uh, the actual people that want their stuff so yeah that's yeah. why stores do it and that's why there's a frenzy to fight over pre-orders is because it's basically like free money for a while yeah this i don't, I don't know if this is going to be a weird question or not but no. because of pre-orders and <laughs> yeah well you know when it comes to pre-orders pre-orders on pokemon center pre-orders on gamestop pre-orders here there everywhere um does your website experience issues with bots um it, are you even are, are you able to tell i don't know if i would be able to tell or not mm -hmm. probably probably but... if it's sold out right away yeah i mean and that has definitely happened but my website also has like notifications when things come in stock and things like that so um, mm -hmm. how fast somebody is on the ball with that i don't know but um i've definitely had something go up and it sell like the next minute for sure mm. and it's just okay hmm. <laughs> i was just hanging out waiting for the email huh maybe i don't yeah. know yeah yeah but yeah it could have been they could have been 
you know, have that page saved. <laughs> sure. Maybe. But um, I mean, I, I know, obviously, a lot of websites have to deal with that. And it's, you know, unfortunate, but I was just kind of curious if you would experience those things and how you've kind of gone about, you know, dealing with that. I don't know if Spotify has those types of support measures. <laughs> um, Shopify, I think they do or have Shopify. some sort of uh, back end thing where they check because um, it redirects uh, to like a, a custom like a splash cart or a checkout process. Mm -hmm. So there might be something in that that kind of is built in to mess with those. I don't really know, mm. though. Um, do you tend to see a difference between in the activity on your website versus actually, you know, your brick and mortar um, in terms of what's popular and what's not? Like, does, um, you know, Vanguard sell more in-store versus online? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, definitely our, our local, like the little niche games is definitely better than, than online. Though we do sell plenty of just, just really weird things off the website that I wouldn't expect. Just... <laughs> So just like weird, like uh, a lady called uh, just the other day looking for a, a Drizzle and an Italian plush that apparently we had and she wanted it shipped to Canada. And I was like, okay, sure. Okay. Yeah, we can do that. But so, yeah, it's just like, I don't know. Um, our, I guess maybe because our, everything's integrated through Shopify and it gets put through that way. It may be like search engines prioritize people that are moving a lot of, or doing a lot of sales. It pushes it up to the top. Maybe, I don't know how that works, but. We seem to do very well with like just first seller or first time buyers just for a mm. random object. No complaints here. I, I love that. That's awesome. But uh, yeah, um, I don't know. I don't know how that how it works. It's way above <laughs> your my site, head, but I'm happy. Your about site it. might be optimized with SEO, so that's that's really I hope good. So. I mean, yeah, I think Shopify really tries to build that, like bake that into how it's set up. I'm um, sure they do. Yeah. Yeah with keywords and whatnot. And I mean, yeah, that, that, that completely makes sense to me. So, so it's, so it's more of your like little niche, well, not little, but, but like your kind of nicher sort of random things that, that kind of get by bought up on the website. Yeah. Yeah. More so um, than online or I mean, in person that, that, that kind of makes sense. Cause you have more people to see your website and you fulfill a need, right? I mean, I guess at the end of yeah. the day, the foot traffic. And, um, and everything's so hard to find right now. So a lot of people don't even expect, and you know, a game store locally even maybe have something in stock just because you know it's so sporadic to even find them online and hard to find them online sometimes. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I sell things like Gundam. I sell a lot of Gundam online just because mm -hmm. again, it's just kind of a weird, you know, hard to find stuff. And I know sometimes on Amazon they'll just get sold out and then they'll be like three times the price what they're supposed to be so, wait is that just a tcg or are you talking about the sorry, figures yeah the gundam the kits the model kits yeah yeah okay okay gotcha yeah some yeah. of them just um bandai and, and bluefin who ships all that stuff overseas um they've just been pretty hard hit on the shipping delays obviously so yeah, yeah a lot of the gundam stuff has been very very hard to find um and it sells extremely well when i can get it in it's just it's very hard to even get a little bit of stuff and then yeah i have it for a weekend and then it's gone again so it's just like <laughs> cool yeah so yeah there's stuff like that that you know is just super like super niche and hard to find it's gonna be hard to find everywhere and mm -hmm. if i have it uh, people are definitely gonna buy it for me which yeah. is good yeah absolutely 
And um, everyone close your ears. I'm warning you to get the PS5 so that I can buy it from you. Look, I've had a PS5 in. I have, a, have I had a couple PS5s in. Really? But, uh, yeah. Um, people traded them in. But, uh, yeah, they go pretty quick. It's, Gosh. Yeah. It yeah, I've, I've been trying to get one, and I refuse to get one off eBay. I just yeah. refuse. I just I understand. Mm. It is hard to believe that there's so many of those already sold, but they're still so hard to find. I know. I'm so surprised that people are willing to pay those prices. But hey, if you're willing to, I mean, that's your that's your prerogative. But I am not. <laughs> well, um, a big thing about our business too that we do that probably not a lot of other stores do is we do a lot of repairs. Um, so you know, PS5s and Xbox Series being so hard to find has really uh, lengthened this console cycle really for like the Xbox. X and, 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 S and all those and the PS4 that yeah. people are have no choice but to repair those because they can't find a PS5 and you know Sony stopped making PS4s you can't go out and just buy new PS4s anymore either so uh, you know repair businesses is very good right now because you really don't have any other options it's, it's kind mm -hmm. of a, a weird way to be uh, right now do you do yeah. repairs in store or do you send it um, my business partner is our lead repair guy so he is kind of uh he does that out of the warehouse so we oh awesome store and then it goes off to him he fixes it comes back and it's uh normally a pretty quick process to do that but yeah that's obviously not a typical thing for stores to do so mm -hmm. um, we do very well with that and it's pretty cheap considering you know to buy a new one is still like 250 to 300 dollars right now so yeah, yeah fixing it for half that is probably a good a good idea Mm -hmm. yeah yeah for sure i can i can definitely understand that and you know honestly i really didn't think about it in that way but you're completely right it's it's absolutely expanded the the ps4 uh life cycle at least i mean i, I don't even know how old my ps4 is i probably had it for like three years you know yeah, without without ever upgrading they're pretty old they're pretty old yeah yeah and and i'm still really enjoying the game actually um right now i'm trying to get through ghost of tsushima the director's cut oh, holy yeah. crap it is yeah. the most beautiful ps4 game i've ever seen hands Definitely. down mm, so beautiful um it's a really good game i just don't have time to play it but but yeah i, I think i think it's really cool though that you guys do repairs have you always done repairs or is this something that just kind of came up recently with this this well, generation yeah no uh Zach originated actually, you know, in buying and selling when he started. Mm -hmm. He would just buy broken things and try to tinker with them and fix them. But often, like taking a customer system in and fixing it and then returning it back to them is kind of uh, a new thing, relatively new. We've done it for a couple of years. But yeah, it's obviously, again, with PS5s being nowhere, yeah, trying to, you know, fix up the older ones is, is definitely, the demand is definitely ticked up a lot mm -hmm. so it's something that we started doing probably probably two or three years ago like seriously and then here it's it's pretty regular what we get you know we probably do 20 30 repairs a week on certain things switches and, and all those wow. things so, yeah, we do uh it's, that's it's more than i expected cool. yeah yeah <laughs> that's awesome <laughs> yeah, people are pretty rough on their stuff it's kind of hard to believe i but, mean yeah. it's hard to you know when you're raging not throw your controller so yeah, know. yeah. Um, 
We see it all. We see it all. Trust me. (laughs) That's awesome. That's awesome. And, um, you know, I've just been having conversations about, you know, video games lately because that's been kind of a hot topic that's been sort of growing. Or at least oh, with really? vintage video games. I haven't heard it. What's going on? I haven't heard anything. What do you mean? Well, um <laughs> I mean <laughs> I was gonna say I was gonna say yeah. <laughs> I was like, wait, hold up. He's being sarcastic with me. Mm-hmm. I think that's what's happening. <laughs> well, did you see the uh the water reports come out? Uh yeah. hmm Yeah. Ooh, thank you for NES. <laughs> cool. I know. I, well, I'm waiting for PS2 because that's what I care about. PS2. I mean, yeah, pretty much anything but NES is what people would really be interested in. But okay, that's cool. <laughs> it's a start, yeah. I guess. Yeah, it, it's a start. I, I really wish they they had more. You know. Anyways, I, I, honestly, I'm just happy that one thing is out so that we can actually kind of see. I mean, who I just, knows what their backlog looks like? But I just I don't understand. What's what are they waiting for? What's the delay? They surely have this information. Like. Yeah. How long does it take a dude to to throw it on a a table and put it in on a website? You know what they might be doing? They might be stalling. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> they they could be they could be, but um they they could be trying to build a good infrastructure. So they might be they might have been using a legacy infrastructure to handle those things and then moving it into a web environment can be kind of difficult depending on how they want to go about those things. I mean, for what it's worth, them being acquired by Collector's Universe, I think that kind of expedited that process or that incentive. Um, hopefully, hopefully, yeah. I, yeah, I, I definitely hope so. I mean, because for however long Collector's Universe has been around, PSA has been putting out pop reports. Um, so, I mean, I think I really, I really appreciate that. Um, I'm sure everyone does, but yeah, it, it could be, it could, they, they could be, you know, trying to get through technical challenges to build something well and right the first time, um, which I can understand from an engineering perspective, because that's kind of stuff that I do <laughs> in my normal every day to day. So, um, but I, I, I need to see more for sure. I have not bought anything. I need to see more. I, I'm looking at yeah, those PS2 games. Yeah. Yeah, I have, I have uh, sealed uh, Pokemon Blue, Pokemon Silver that I mm. have from Wada. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what to do with them right now because either this is the bottom of the market or it's, uh, you know, probably a super good time to buy depending on the pricing just because who knows how many there are and how many there are the grades in exactly that's uh, <laughs> kind of the whole point of uh knowing knowledge is helps a lot yeah yeah and and i was just having a conversation with nito from um uh one of the bigger video game vintage video game accounts uh yeah. Kanito. and uh, one of the things that he talked about that i found to be interesting and i guess maybe it'd be curious to get your perspective on it he thinks sure. that it's at the bottom um or or he he thinks that for example, the Pokemon video games, or at least the original, like original ones that we got when we were kids, um, sure. that they should be worth more, uh, because when he compares it to the Pokemon market and the high end of the Pokemon market, you know, the video games haven't come close to 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 scratching those numbers. Yeah. And and I don't know how I feel about it personally. I don't. So. Yeah, I mean. I guess if you think about it, what's more likely 
to find a video game that's 25 years old in really good condition or a card that's really good condition 25 years old and and the other thing that i think of as well is like a lot of us when we got into pokemon it was because of the video game and then we got the cards at least for me yeah sure yeah but yeah i don't i mean i'm sure there's tons of sealed pokemon blues out there probably not even not graded you know but mm -hmm. yeah i'd love to see at least get an idea because surely those are popular things to get graded but how much more popular than everything else is it more or less than what i have in my head i don't know right. there's no way to know right and and reserved investments brought up a very interesting thing that if you see a really old game rated really highly in terms of their seal that yeah. there's probably it probably came from a case sure yeah um and there are tons of people sitting on cases of pretty much everything i would not be surprised like people don't understand just like there's tons of people sitting on pokemon booster boxes or whatever booster boxes like they're all out there there is a steady supply that could feed this market for some time if people really wanted to uh, think it was the right time to sell. I think even now, with everything that happened with Pokemon and going crazy, that there's still plenty of people that saw what it was doing and still didn't make a peep about it because they are happy holding, you know? Mm-hmm. And... and they can slowly drip. I mean, it, it, it only makes sense to slowly drip into the market because why would yeah, they absolutely. crash their, their prices? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's part of the reason why I kind of don't necessarily like to use like the word investing, you know, when it comes around cardboard, a lot of people really gravitate to that word because, you know, in, in all reality, this is an alternative asset. Um, so it, it's, it's an alternative, um, investing, uh, strategy, I guess you could say if you wanted to incorporate it. So technically sure. it's the right term, but at the same time, I've been really bearish on it and certain prices just because of what you literally just said, singles will always go up. Like singles will go up, you know, over the next uh, 10, I mean, obviously not always that's, that's really not truly what I mean, but. I mean, the singles cards will go up over time. Um, and there's so much more supply of boxes out there from so many vintage sets than that I think many realize that yeah. that makes me really nervous to try to invest. Like I would just rather put my money in my 401k <laughs> and sure. let me buy cool cards that I like and then that's it. Just leave it at that. Yeah, I'm, I mean... We can argue, and there's people out there that say, you know, value doesn't matter when you're collecting. Or, or I think it's definitely something you should definitely be following and, and be aware of. But I think the uh, true definition of something being honestly collectible, of being a true collectible, is something that is valuable and somebody still valuing that item over the money that they can get for it. That's what makes it collectible and desirable so when there's not that then that's when we're in a bubble and a hard a hard time as far as collectibles go yeah where the demand isn't quite what we all think it is and yeah i think we can all think of a couple things that are uh that way right now <laughs> 
I mean, I, I can't disagree with you on that. And the other thing too, because when I had Jake on my podcast, we were talking about Fortnite. And yeah. he asked me the question, how do I feel about cards? Do I think cards in general will will newer generations be collecting in cards? And, I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. And and for me at first, I was like, why why not? Right? Like, why wouldn't it? Because we've been collecting baseball cards for over 100 years. So why wouldn't cards go into the next generation? Because it seemed to be like, okay, this is what we've seen in the past. You know, why would we not see that in the future? But I think the one thing that I didn't really consider and have been thinking about and, and, and why I don't necessarily hold that opinion so much anymore or not as strongly anymore is because um, of the digital aspect, like, Will kids actually care? And I mean, we're never going to really know the answer until we see it, <laughs> until we see it actually happen and unfold. Because I mean, even right now, when it comes to comics, everyone that I talk to about comics, we're seeing like this waning, this waning interest um, of yeah. comics yeah. with with the kids these days. And and so, you know, who's going to keep something like that alive? Right. It's just something to think about. And, and I kind of think about it, too, with cards, because. Um, I mean, there's so many digital components. I mean, there's so many things that are happening digitally that they're just not focused on cards. And so if there's no nostalgia, you know, what's going to happen with that? I don't know. I, 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 my opinion has been changing over time, I think, or at least I've been questioning it, which is probably not a bad thing, but I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? On no, cards I mean, moving into the future. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. Um, comics is like, one of the only things we don't do and it's 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 basically because you know nobody that is a part of the ownership knows anything about them i, don't, I never did anything with comics i don't know but um actually actually we've seen that things like uh, manga and anime stuff has been eclipsing a comic book sales and growing exp exponentially whereas comics has not been uh, so hot so um if I was going to pick up anything, um, and I have, I, I've, I'm going into more of the, the manga and getting series of that kind of stuff because that's where the focus is right now. So, uh, and, and people, as far as like digital versus, you know, physical, it's going to be a slow transition to probably be where, you know, there's people that grow up with that less and less. Uh, I think yeah. Pokemon cards are definitely, uh, probably have some immunity to that but something like uh, you know all these other new card games that come along you know there's nothing tying them or any sort of nostalgia there that is tying that stuff to being are people remembering about that kind of stuff mm -hmm. so i think a game like like metazoo is going to be a lot harder to being uh, you know the the vintage when that gets to be you know 10 years old uh, people caring about something like that as opposed to you know pokemon that i think people always want the the cards for pokemon that's just it it has the longevity and people remember that kind of stuff existing as opposed to some of this new stuff uh fortnite cards yeah. i don't it's a weird it's a weird situation it's mm -hmm. um it is a paper physical product about a digital game so <laughs> it's hard to know it is very unique in that way it really is. And they can definitely do a lot of, um, they can, they can absolutely intersect digital into the cards as well. Oh, so yeah, I'm really, yeah. 
Yeah, so so in the fourth set, in the fifth set, I don't know that we're going to see that in Series 3, but in the fourth or fifth and however many subsequent sets, if we don't see that, honestly, I think would be dumb. Yeah, um, I don't, for I them don't to see why do they that. haven't. That makes perfect sense to me. Yeah, absolutely. You know, uh, a battle pass code or, you know, a special skin code. I mean, they did it with yeah. the Galaxy. You know, you buy the Galaxy phone, you get the Galaxy skin. Um, sure. You know, so things like that definitely makes sense to me but i mean even still you know like 30 years from now will people still be buying fortnite cards i i really don't know yeah. <laughs> i mean the the only thing i can think of is that if we start putting cards on the blockchain like if we start putting graded sealed i cards on the blockchain i i think that could definitely change things but you know i've had a a very I've had a number of different conversations on Web 3.0, and I'm like, 50-50, it'll change the world. 50-50, there's not enough utility, you know, yeah. like real-world utility. And so I I'm not sold. I, I want to get into it, though, just to get my own true taste of it. But Yeah, I think um, when there's some sort of utility to blockchaining, I think it makes it a lot more understandable to a lot of people. It's got to be used in supplementing you know or you know tying something together with something physical for it to make that jump and be like all right these are purely digital assets now mm -hmm. i think i think we they went they flip-flopped it instead of saying hey this is this new thing look how cool this is with this products instead of saying all right this is completely digital there's nothing physical tied to it it's just beep boops on a screen <laughs> that's, that's way harder for you know a dummy like people me to understand, understand. Than, yeah then you know something like oh this has something that corresponds with it where i scan it and it's it's part of the blockchain and then to trade it away i gotta go on the blockchain and and transfer ownership that makes a lot more sense that way <laughs> you know, yeah so. i mean I, I agree with you 100 percent. i completely understand why people feel that way because even the conversations that i was having with other people eight ten months ago i'm like what yeah are you yeah. serious you're gonna spend that much on a jpeg that i could just right click and save on my computer what are you talking sure. about but it's not about the jpeg it's about the smart contract underneath it right which yeah is 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 the thing there so but yeah, i mean and the, the chain of ownership the whole the chain aspect of it is that you can track it and it's being tracked from beginning to end that, that's mm -hmm. whole that's that's the pedigree of it is very important mm-hmm yeah yeah absolutely um which is why i've always liked the idea of putting certified you know graded cards on a blockchain because a it's got the cert number mm -hmm. um and it's tied to you know non-blockchain systems where you can actually now um they're working on building ways for blockchains to actually interact with non-blockchain systems you know other random apis which is really cool yeah. honestly okay. from a from a utility perspective, because there are situations where that would be necessary. You need to talk outside of the chain to get information. Um, so, so, so there's that. There's a certain number that's not going to change unless you break the slab and then sure. it just disappears, right? But I liked the idea of tracking sales that way, and or you know, coming up with a way to build a platform on top of that blockchain to facilitate a sale and then you have complete transparency complete ledger transparency over who owns this who owns that you know 
even something like when it's shipped, like the status of an item, you know, when, when you buy an NFT or, or, you know, something on the blockchain, you're securing the ownership, right? And so you can see that status. Oh, okay, it's arrived, you know, ownership has been officially transferred and confirmed, yeah. you know, from that user. And, and those are just things that happen. Boom. Da -da 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 -da, that's it. And then, you know, it's secure data on the blockchain that will always exist for the life of that blockchain. So yeah, am I crazy? Didn't PSA say that they were going to do something like that? Or Did is they? it going to be something that they can opt into? They should. Crazy? They somebody, need to. Somebody, I think. I mean, I'm surprised with all these bajillion grading companies that somebody didn't go, oh, we're going to track it with blockchain, by the way. That'd be at yeah. least something unique and something that would make it stand out. But yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, I agree with you. And and to go further, I, I'm totally cool with PSA doing it. The only thing I don't like about it is that I want all of the companies to be on the on the blockchain. Not no, granted, there's interoperability where um that's a word you just said. <laughs> long story short, it's like two blockchains being able to talk to each other. Sure. Okay. Um and it comes with restrictions, but at the same time, the nodes still live on separate systems. So it's not quite the same. Sure. And I want all of the nodes to live on one system because then we could see true population even <laughs> across, you know, BGS and SGA, um, SGC and, you know, GMA, all of them, like all of them, whatever, all of them. Um, just to see those things and 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 what i what we need to do it well so that's a project that i'd like to do so if i actually ended up doing that project that's a, that's a heck of a project that's a huge <laughs> it's a huge sounds project mess. sounds like a mess <laughs> it is a huge mess but it's a great mess to work on you know it's a great it's a great problem to work on um and 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 so i would have to build some kind of incentive like why would someone want to put their card on the blockchain i would have to ask come up with some good answers to that question. Why would, how could I invent, incentivize someone to do that? And then also if someone does decide to crack open a nine to get it sent in to regrade, how do I incentivize that person to then take that off the blockchain? Right. So yeah, I don't know. It's, it's, it's great questions and I want to solve them. <laughs> it is, it is definitely questions that I, as an LGS owner don't have. <laughs> all above my head so uh, <laughs> i don't know how he awesome. got onto this tangent. you know we, <laughs> we got there though but we sure. really did we really did and you know getting back to kind of you uh being an lgs owner sure, because yeah. uh, <laughs> let's circle back around to 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 how i wanted to pick your brain today because sure. when you're a kid like to own your own store and just to be around all this stuff is like the dream i mean even, even I had this thought a few years ago. I'm like, oh my gosh, what if I opened up an online LGS, made money, and then turned that into a brick and mortar? How cool would that be? Like, that was yeah. my job, you yeah. know? Um, but there's also realities to that dream where it can happen, but there are so many moving pieces and there's so much complexity. So, I mean, like when it came to you know, you opening up your store. I mean, first off, what motivated you to do that? And what did you have to do, like, to even get there? Because you, you've been here for five years now. So yeah. you've been alive for this long. Your LGS has been alive for this long. I say kudos first off. Because well, what were you saying? I think it was uh, with, with Connor 
Uh, and Rob, you were saying that one third of LGSs disappeared. Yeah, I mean that's that's what they estimated um, going into uh, from 2019 into 2020 with the shutdowns that happened. That when they they shut down in February, March, whatever it was, um, that you know stores don't have a reserve or some sort of uh, you know backstock because most LGSs are small you know mm -hmm. uh, uh, what's what I'm trying to say um sole proprietor businesses where they have like one person that owns them mm -hmm. it's not a chain it's not a big uh, you know it's just maybe somebody and uh, somebody else or the family that runs it and everything that they make they put it back into the business yeah that's how things have to be there's no way to get a loan for nobody wants to give a loan to somebody that says that they're going to go open up a game store it's it's not it's not a thing it doesn't exist yeah so a lot of these businesses you know they're they're startups that have no additional funding they have no additional capital put into them um you know people are leveraging mortgages mortgages instead of you know something uh, you know personal assets as opposed to uh, you know a bank loan or something like that that is right uh, and even a standoff, it's it's their personal assets as opposed to, you know, their LLCs. They're not corps. So these yeah. people are, are, you know, risking their own stuff and their own personal gain against this, this dream. And that's a scary place to be. And, yeah, when you operate in that manner, there's there's no – there's nothing extra at the end of the month. <laughs> it's just yeah. – because when you start up, you don't open – uh, fresh with brand new things you buy used things you buy what will work for now and then i'll upgrade it later and that kind of stuff so there's always something to spend money on so whenever you have a profit at the end of the month that's what you do you just invest back into the business so when the country shuts down and everything and everybody says stop what you're doing your big social hub of your community that you're building that is why you exist stop yeah there's a lot of stores that just are not made to pivot in that way, you know, uh, and you can't flood all these, uh, you know, boxes of Catan, the board game, and, and put them online and just get market value for them because that's not how it works with Amazon and, and all these other places that are selling with or next to, you know, no profits. We have no recourse, so yeah, a lot of stores just had no option but to shut down. Right. Luckily, before the shutdown happened, we were built up and we were actually building our back end of Shopify to be online, and we were moving towards this process, uh, and we were quickly to very easily get that up to date and actually being closed kind of helped because we were able to focus on that. But <laughs> yeah, we were able to push that stuff out onto our website and and facilitate things like local pickups and stuff like that and, and, and mm, shipping that's awesome that you know uh, other stores in this area yeah and i'm you know i say it all the time that there's no more antiquated business than hobby stores and how they operate because there's <laughs> when you have nothing to do with the online and you're very you know community focused it's like uh you know your local hardware store that's family owned, like you can't compete yeah. with Lowe's. So what are you gonna do? <laughs> you just gonna just ignore that they exist and just focus on the people that you can help locally. And yeah. 
Absolutely. When the country says, no, you can't do that. You have no options. And it, and yeah, your business model shuts down. So yeah, that's, that's, they said about a third shut down. And then, um, like I was saying with, with Rocket and, and Red Blue, they were saying, you know, that it left a void so that when all this stuff started ramp, ramp, ramping up again with Logan Paul, that, you know, all these other people were able to kind of get in at the ground floor with a lot of this stuff and, and start their own businesses that way. Um, yeah, Rudy said something like a, a few hundred new stores opened up. Yeah. Like, or um, signed up to be. Yeah, I with mean, distributors. Uh, yeah, distributors were. You know, they, they are still shut down from taking new accounts, a lot mm -hmm. of them. Um, and I wanted to just re-update some information with one of my distributors that I, I don't order from a lot. And my, my uh, I guess my my account lapsed and, you know, it went into inactive. And they won't even reactivate my, my account crap. because, uh, you know, because they just aren't accepting anything. So, mm. yeah, they're, they're, pretty, they're pretty serious about not accepting anybody new. So yeah, when they like my sales rep, my main sales rep says that his workload quadrupled. Holy crap! All the new accounts, and that they wow. were calling him all day and night trying to get stuff. And, wow! Yeah, that just pissed him off and made him not want to work with them. But yeah, I can understand the frenzy. Yeah, and and what's interesting too is that it seems like a lot of these um, or or a certain portion of uh, these newer stores that are opening are completely 100% online, like in apartments, <laughs> ordering pallets <laughs> of Yeah, I mean, um, and then, you know, that's the way you would start is by doing stuff online and, and on eBay and TCG Player and, and all that stuff. Uh, that is a completely legitimate and, and, and good way to start your business. That's how... Uh, my business started was doing all mm -hmm. things online. I had very little local sales and, you know, we were buying things locally and sourcing locally, but yeah, in order to build, you have to have cash flow. And the only way to do that is to go to the big conglomerate eBay and tissue players of the world and, and make money that way. So that is definitely how you get the ball rolling. <laughs> but I think a lot of people got caught up in the, that they can do this forever. And this is so easy. It, Look at all these people fighting over these boxes, and you get to a situation like now where us have been here for a while. They're like, "Oh, this is still better than it's ever been, so we're all good." And these other people are like, "What is happening? I have no business. What? They don't. They haven't experienced the lean times. <laughs> it's really just the normal times. And they don't even know what lean is." Oh gosh, I mean, yeah. you know, like what we were talking about before we went online. When I watched that video from Rudy and it like three years old now and he was talking about the margins on booster boxes for empty yeah. for magic i was like holy crap you make just like a few bucks yeah a box. Um, and you know but even before there's plenty of people that had a a business account and they had like a you know a, a tow truck business they'd apply with a distributor and they'd just get a bunch of stuff and they'd go on facebook and a tow you know, truck all these other company oh, oh, sorry <laughs> all you have to have is a business account and that's all that matters because you don't have to have a brick and mortar store to buy something like Pokemon. Uh huh. So there'd be guys that just bought tons of it and then would sell it by the case, not by the box, by the case. And for like 25 more dollars than what they, you know, paid for it. 
but it doesn't yeah. matter because they're literally slapping a, a label on it and shipping it. It doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. And if you're making that for 100 cases, you know, that's, that's a good little bad. chunk of chain that's just slap some labels. Right. So that totally existed before now uh, in, in, in the lean times. In fact, I remember watching a dude doing this with Viva Voltage when Viva Voltage was releasing. I'm like, dude, what are you doing? There's none of this left, and you're selling it for $85 a box in a case. I'm like, don't you know that in a month, this stuff is going to be $200 a box? But he still did his thing, and that's, I'm sure he was happy to get that because that's what he's used to. Right, right. So, and, and when it comes to, you know, like distributor prices to you or like – those the what distributor sells to you for is that considered the wholesale price quote unquote there is some degree of that depending on how much you buy like mm -hmm. if you buy pallets versus just even a good amount of cases um it is not the same price um and there is again in the normal times you can negotiate that based on your numbers and get you know maybe a dollar or two shaved off um, but yeah, that doesn't really exist right now. <laughs> Not right um, now. No, no, no. It is too popular. Yeah. Um, so, and even I'm sure, you know, I don't know what Rudy pays, but when you buy several, several pallets of stuff, yeah, you probably pay less than I do for sure. And even, uh, you know, maybe five bucks, seven bucks, whatever it is, uh, you know, that times 500 boxes. If that's on a pallet, that definitely adds up. And that is definitely all a uh, profit that is uh, gives you a lot more leverage and a lot more uh, area to be aggressive than any of your local, definitely any other local, like I said, family-owned uh, game store is able to do for you. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. It makes a difference. Yeah. I can completely agree. And, and, you know, I can, I can understand that, you know, when it comes to the numbers and looking at it from a volume, yeah. um perspective i guess you know what he was saying in a recent video he was saying something like he buys two million dollars worth of items a month and this is not just like magic it's pokemon it's white schwartz it's you know metazoo and flesh and blood and all that stuff and i'm like damn well first off a you know good on him for being that successful to you know be buying two million dollars worth of product a month um, but be damn, <laughs> that's still $2 million worth of product a month. <laughs> yeah. And, and to keep that sort of business that he's running alive, you have to do those numbers. You have mm -hmm. to, or else you just, you stop getting at the prices that you're getting. So you kind of From have distributors? To, yeah. That's, so that's, that is what, that's why Rudy's Patreon exists. It's so he can move numbers very quickly and mm -hmm. he can liquidate stuff that he's either doesn't want to keep for himself, or even if he just wants to pay the cost of that stuff and then whatever is left over is basically free for him. That's that's why the Patreon exists. And that's why he's able to accumulate what he does because he has all these backers that are willing to buy things at mm -hmm. below cheap prices. That <laughs> it's not like they're getting ripped off or anything. It's definitely cheaper right. than you know you can buy on, on anywhere else normally. But mm -hmm. yeah, it's that's why his business works. That's why that model works. It's because when you're moving that kind of stuff and you're able to move it very quickly, 
it just you keep churning you just keep churning yeah 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 that that completely makes sense um and and we have a question in the uh in the chat that i thought was a good one yeah. um when you buy cases what's the minimum typically um is he talking about sgr do you mean the minimum cost or the the minimum that i have to take is that what you're asking that is a good question. I assumed he meant the minimum cost, but it also matters volume-wise. Yeah. Um, yeah. My price is that I'm buying stuff on a release again, uh, things that I get allocated are at a certain price. Um, it is at, I think, 83 with Southern Hobby, and I, I, some other places charge me a little bit more, uh, maybe a couple dollars here and there. Um, but my main guy is because I buy so much and I'm kind of, I've always been with them for forever, for five years, that it's kind of, of lower than what probably some other places do. Yeah. At the same time, uh, I just paid $90 for uh, Darkness of Blaze. Oh, okay. Boxes. So, again. How many, how many boxes come in a case? Six? Yes, for Pokemon, okay. six. Yeah, well, for most card games. Other than, like, Flesh and Blood. Mm -hmm. six. Okay. Okay. Yeah, that, that makes sense. Um, so... I mean, that doesn't seem too bad because if you're looking at, you know, even $90 a case divided by six, whatever number that is. Um, hmm. See, the one thing for me when it comes to buying into a new set and then looking online to see where prices are, my my whole thing is that I never, I never quite know what MSRP is supposed to be because, you know, most of the time that's not what you see online things go for because yeah, i definitely. never know like when i'm getting ripped off because um this is just modern product and i don't like to you know pay it who likes to pay above msrp but um i mean i guess i guess like in order to keep that kind of price um i mean how much volume how many pallets are you looking at when it comes to to keep it around that 85 you know dollar a case um I don't think there's like a minimum that I have to take. That's just kind of like where I'm locked in at. Mm -hmm. So okay. they would not creep up my number. Mostly it's these new accounts and people like that that are having to pay more. Mm -hmm. um, I have no idea what they would be charging them. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, in a couple of years ago, before Wizard of the Coast went direct, only to direct just to distributors, um, you used to buy, be able to buy a certain amount from Wizards of the Coast themselves. And from them, you'd be paying something like $76 a box. And you'd mm -hmm. only be able to get like five cases. But then you, you can buy the rest of the stuff or more from a distributor for like 82 a box. So yeah, it was a lot better because that middleman little bump with distribution was missing out of that. So um, yeah, but that never existed with Pokemon that I know yeah. of. It may have way early, early but yeah. It's uh, that's long gone, long, long gone. <laughs> you know, I'm I'm really glad that you brought up Hasbro because recently okay. yeah. they've been they've been moving to direct to consumer. So I can go on Amazon, I can buy my collector boxes, I can, you know, Secret Lair that's direct to consumer, um, yep. and it's also printed to demand, right? So, uh, for the most part, has that been? I, I know that there's been a lot of talk around that and how you know, people are of the opinion that they're cutting out LGSs and and that's really bad because LGSs are what grew, you know, magic. And I can understand that perspective. Um, but, but 
has that really actually impacted you, you know, as, as a store, as an owner? Wizards of the Coast and Hasbro gets a lot of bad press for doing stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But they also do a ton of good for LGSs and a ton of, they do support LGSs a lot, a lot more than even, uh, even like Pokemon does, uh, you know, Pokemon has done away with things like promos and, and play organized play uh, promos and stuff like that. Um, I get a marketing kit from Pokemon mm -hmm. every time a new set comes out. But throughout this entire thing, Magic has been keeping up with buy box promos and you know organized play promos and welcome packs and and things like that. They put out a lot of good stuff and support stores a lot, a lot more than people want to give them credit for because I don't know why. It's very easy to pick on them because it's easy to pick on. They're them, like yeah. big dogs, right? Yeah. But um, they're not terrible. They're not. I mean, and you can't fault them for doing something that makes good business sense. Like, I, I mean, I agree. When I can just ship it all to Amazon, let them do it. Right. You don't have to Why deal not? with the shipping. Why not? You don't have to deal with the packaging. And you you make more than having to ship it. You just, you ship it the same way that you would to a distributor. Right. You get more of it at the end. Right. It makes sense. Like it's, mm -hmm. yeah, even ahead. with them getting away and, and they eliminated MSRP on products, right? So mm -hmm. there's no set like in stone price for magic products. They still have it for D&D, which is weird. I never understood that. Really? They, 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 they print it on the D&D the products, which is, again, is weird. But uh, anyway. Are you talking about the crossover or do they actually? No, like, um. Wizards of the Coast makes D&D &D stuff. Like they, oh. They do. Yeah, they're all owned. I had no so idea. Dungeons and Dragons has, like, on, like, a book it has on the back. Pricing is oh, forty nine ninety nine. Yeah. 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 Okay. But the, they sell it direct to people on Amazon for, like, $35. So, yeah. That's, that kind of hurts. That, that kind of sucks. But, yeah. um... That being said, and the sooner that LGSs, and again, the more established and more experienced ones know this is a thing, that you, when you walk into an LGS, you are going to be paying more than you can online. There's no secret to that. Like, no, I don't think anybody walks into a store being like, all right, I want this for the cheapest that is in existence. Yeah. I think it's very unfair to expect that from a small business, let alone from a local community store that is uh, providing a service, just a place space and things like that, that is in most places free. Um, you may have to pay to enter in advance, but most places give the, all that money right back in product and whatever for the winners, all the winning product goes right back to them. So uh, events are a loss leader. Play space in general is a loss leader to hmm. have a place for people to play. So oh, wait, wait, yeah. I thought you make your money and you keep your doors open by the selling the snacks. Uh, I'm just kidding. I'm <laughs> no, I'm just joking. I'm just joking. But it I, can, I, it can do. Uh, but <laughs> I also lose a lot of money from my employees and just me eating the snacks and the drinks are free. So <laughs> probably probably about breaking yeah. about that. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But no, um, yeah. Um, I think it's uh, there's very much a 
let's say premium when you walk into a store because uh, and again mm -hmm. uh, this is the drum that i was beating this entire time when i was getting yelled at from people about you know selling things for above which you can find on ebay is that uh, the people that walk into my store and the people that come and just buy singles and even just play in my store it's a matter of convenience it's a matter of uh, the here and now and expectation that i'm going to have that at any time when they want it if they yeah. have to drive around to all these walmarts just in, for a chance to maybe find something they would just much rather just go to me and just pay a little bit more and save that time mm -hmm. there's a convenience factor to it and i think it's not really fair to expect me because i'm paying wholesale prices to sell it for uh, any less than the MSRP, let alone if it's uh, rare and scarce than what it's going for other places. Mm -hmm. And it's very yeah. much the, you know, when it's below MSRP, I'm a piece of poo-poo for charging MSRP. But if it's above MSRP and I'm selling it for MSRP, there's not a lot of uh, thanks given out for that situation. So um, I don't know. It's, it's There's again, no winning. I the mean, whole, the whole last year of and me being on YouTube, that is the the argument that I, I've had to try to explain. Um, yeah. Nobody walks into a, a local store and should expect, you know, eBay pricing. It's just, it's not fair. That's what I was about to say. If, if you translated it, to any kind of, you know, other business, like Target, <laughs> right? Sure. A grocery sure. store, like uh, people wouldn't, people wouldn't expect that. <laughs> I mean, or, or maybe they would start to because they see those prices, you yeah. know, if that, if that started to be an expectation, then, you know, they put pressure on a store because, um, oh, well, I can get it cheaper here. Well then buy it there or whatever. <laughs> It's the same concept of you being able to go down to your gas station at the end of the street and buy milk, but it's going to be a dollar more than if you went all the way to your grocery store. Mm -hmm. That may be five yeah. minutes away. It's the same concept. Yeah. This, this is how, this is how us little guys have made a living. Sorry if that is news to a vast majority of people. <laughs> yeah, I'm just, I mean, I'm just, I'm just trying to tell you how it is, and and I'm getting flack for it. Okay. That's fine. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not bitter about it. That's all that matters. No, I, I cannot, I don't sense, I don't sense any of that whatsoever. Um, but I mean, okay. So you've been in the game for five years. How many years of that were you brick and mortar versus online only? Um, we have had an, an actual physical store for, um, well, four and a half years. We, we went pretty heavy. I count I count us opening a, a, a physical location being like the start of business, even though we 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 grounded out way before then. But yeah, um, so yeah, I've we've moved around a few times, but yeah, four to five years we've been uh, physical. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and and when it comes to a store, I mean, I know Rudy, he he gave his own opinion on a video a while back ago talking about literally just the startup cost alone and going back to what you were saying about not having you know like a like a safety net it makes sense considering the fact you know how much in his opinion you needed in order to start up you know in order to start up an actual brick and mortar 
mortar LGS yeah. and keeping product rotating, you know, in and out, in and out. I mean, that completely makes sense. So I guess I think what he was saying, he was definitely saying a few hundred thousand. I wish I remembered the exact number. I mean, does that sound about right for you to open up your own business? Well, LGS. <laughs> yeah, I mean, again, op opening opening means a lot of things to, you know, it could be any number of things. Like if you want to open up a, a, a store with some, again, some lifetime tables and folding chairs and, uh, you know, a couple glass cases. Yeah, you could probably do it pretty cheap uh, mm -hmm. with, again, no safety net, no sort of guarantee, no, um, no runway yourself, you know, and definitely not having, you know, all these, um, any quality of life to you living. Uh, yeah, you can do it for very, very cheap, <laughs> just like anything. And, you know, you can, you can go into, a, you know, and go to a flea market and, and those, there's tons of people out there that are, you know, running a business and owning a, a, a stall that is, uh, yeah, probably doing just fine and, you know, supporting themselves and making a little extra money. It's just, if you want to devote your entire livelihood to it, you know, you have to have some sort of starting point to where you appear to be professional and not just a fly by night. I'm opening this store and just for the quick buck. What quick buck? <laughs> yeah. Is what I would tell someone if they yeah. felt that way. And, and it's just like, yeah, you can you can open up a store and, and have fun and but most leases are, are, are three years at least. You know, uh, most places want to take give you five years. Are you, do you plan to exist in five years? Are you planning on that to exist? Uh, you know, what what's what's your long term goal here? Absolutely. And you should be very sure about that before you uh, sit down and and say, "Yep, I'm going to open up a brick and mortar LGS." Um, online is just so much safer. If I, and I tell people, you you need to grind it online before you even think about opening a physical store, or, or even get a little office space. We have people, in, you can buy and sell from from people locally and stuff like that before you go to open up a full a full blown you know, play space store. Uh, try it out. Dip your toe in the water before you jump all the way in, because. Mm -hmm. uh, it's not, this is not the most stable market. And I, I still tell people, if you're just doing cards, if you just do cards, Magic, Yu-Gi-Oh, Pokemon, uh, maybe some other stuff in there. If that's all you're doing, I don't think you can exist anymore. I just don't. I think there's too much competition. There's too much uh, market displacement for people that are shopping online anyways. Yeah. Uh, unless you have a fully established community that wants to back you from day one. I don't think you're going to make it. You just, I, I think it's very difficult. That's why we always had the concept of, okay, we're going to do video games and board games. And we grew into doing D&D. &D. I never thought I'd be running and selling D&D &D stuff, but here I am. And we do very well with it. Yeah. And all the accessories, dice, uh, you know, sleeves, binders, all that stuff. All the stuff that takes any sort of weathering, any sort of storm and down period. Like right now, magic is in. Uh, pretty pretty piss poor condition right now, as far as like a standard playable area. Uh, so uh, thank goodness for Pokemon, or thank goodness mm -hmm. for the uh, video game market being so strong right now. Uh, you have to have all these things to lean on and this stuff to uh, help support you because you know you're putting a lot of faith into a lot of companies that may or may not, depending on how you look at it, do well, yeah. be willing to support you. 
Um, I don't think Pokemon really really cares too much about. I, I'm sure they definitely consider it, but um, they don't have my livelihood in mind when they're creating a Pokemon set. Let's just say that. Yeah. Yeah, and and I think the other thing too is you know, LGS is get a bad rap because the bad apples, right? And it's it's the ones that maybe didn't necessarily plan and are getting desperate because they have to keep food on the table and then they start doing the, the really nasty things you're you're not doing nasty things you're just being honest about how it works but there are the nasty people that open up packs and repack them and then sell them the people that steal the box toppers or the promos that are supposed to that are not supposed to be sold but yes. they sell them Yes. you know, directly to eBay or just directly to their patrons and then try to make money that way. You know, I mean, I mean, those are the things that definitely steal from the hobby. Um, yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of that. And there is, I'm going to say that there's probably less like repacking and resealing stuff. I don't think that is existing so much, whereas it's just like, um, yeah, if we get something for free, that there's probably a lot of stores out there that, um try to sell that stuff especially mm -hmm. probably things that are limited and stuff like that box toppers sure i guarantee it but um yeah i mean i would like to think that if you walk into an lgs that you don't have to worry about their stuff being resealed um i think if you did see that happen um you'd probably hear about it from the community yeah um so definitely you know check google reviews and things like that before you pop into a place that has only been open for six months and is in a 500 square foot space <laughs> probably do that you know but That's um possible. i think there is uh, you know probably less chance of uh, established store wanting to do that kind of stuff because mm -hmm. if you get caught doing that it's just that's your livelihood that's that's it's not worth it's it stained. it's not it's really not worth it at all it's a lot of work too i feel to do it it really it really is it's really not worth it just in general it's really not mm -hmm. worth the time and effort yeah yeah it's yeah and and when it comes to i mean diversifying your product which is awesome because you got a little bit of something for everyone right yeah um are there other than the meta zoos are there interesting card sets that you are either buying into that are doing actually pretty popular that kind of go under the radar um okay. or or are there some that you are wanting to get into like why swartz right um yeah that are um, kind of low under the radar there is definitely other stuff out there than the big three and it really just it matters whether or not you have a community that you can build and build around mm -hmm. kind of have to have the, the core like a core four dudes that wants to come out and play a certain game and you know make a tournament setting and, and get their buddies into it and you know have something to build off of before you start going too hot and heavy into some crazy uh, card game but yeah there's like i said we take chances on some new stuff and um like we picked up digimon on release we picked up um gate ruler was a recent one that came out that i think is already going away but you know, at the, for every winner and stuff that, you know, you do pretty well on, there's going to be some sneakers. Um, yeah. I, my favorite example is always um, Argent Saga. Did you 
Hear of Argon Saga? Yeah, I never bought any of those cards, but I heard. Yeah. Um, interesting game. Interesting, uh, you know, setup and the way it played. And mm -hmm. um, it was made by ARG, which ran a lot of um, tournaments for some of these other uh, bigger card games. So they had organized play stuff on lock, basically, because they knew how organizing that kind of stuff worked. Um, in fact, they even had like a a a pairing software and stuff that was built in house and kind of um, it's really kind of complicated to use. But it was you know they had their own thing and their own standalone stuff that all talked to each other and, and it was kind of neat. But yeah, even they didn't exist, and you know after a year or so they they couldn't make it work. So yeah, it's kind of hard to pick and choose and kind of decide what to carry for as far as new things go because you just don't want to get into it and buy cases of it and then have to sit on those and when they go from eighty dollars a box to thirty five dollars a box when Oof. you paid sixty dollars for them that's your uh you know you can get burned too many times i think i still have argon saga in the back and that game's been dead for a year oh really <laughs> Yeah. what makes it why why didn't that game really hit was it because of gameplay like uh, players didn't care for it definitely covid hurt very uh -huh. very bad um, i mean your your game was built off the back of organized play and yeah when that can't happen it doesn't yeah they can't make it i mean which is why i'm impressed with flesh and blood which goes back to why it's even called flesh and blood because yeah. it literally launched like right before um have you heard my story about when i got like the intro kit from flesh and blood no nope, tell, um, tell me i got they gave out two lgs's just like a like like a like an introductory kit for flesh and blood it had all like i think it has like some maybe it had, had, had some packs in there and like a like an art booklet or something like that just explaining the game like how they exist and i'm like what is I this love the art when i got it in i was like what is this from new zealand this is some weird mm -hmm. wacky card game what the and i just threw it away I think the whole thing? Yeah, I was just like, I don't know what this is. And I think it's worth like uh, a couple grand now for that art book and all this stuff. So that's cool. <laughs> you know, um, I, I don't know what to say, man. I'm going to shake you right now. Yeah. <laughs> it happens. No, no, it happens. I understand. I understand uh, Mason, old, uh, uh, younger Mason, and mm. why he did that. I, I understand. Yes, because I've but... seen. All these other card games come and go. Come and go. And, yeah. and you know, uh, if I had a bet, there's probably for every one that makes it, there's four others that didn't, you know, so. I mean, all these Kickstarter um, cards that are coming out right now, really interesting stuff. Sure. Um, I mean, honestly, okay, I do like to see people trying these things out and doing their own thing and just really going for it. I mean, because a part of me wants to do that, too. But... Mm, I know do that. You, do you want, do you have a, like a, a card game in mind or a board game you want to start? Um, you know, I've always kind of thought about it because I'm I'm really nerdy. Um, okay. Really, really, what it comes really what it comes down to, I think, what'll end up being the thing for me, is uh, because I'm a I'm a software engineer. Like I've always wanted to tell stories like interesting stories. I always wanted to tell that, and there's so many different mediums that you could choose. Sure. Like right now like what you were talking about manga and anime and those being really big right now compared yeah. to comic books. I love watching or reading manga. I, I do. There, there, there's so much of it. And honestly, most majority of it, I actually read 
on my phone. <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah. but so many cool ways to tell stories. And I think the way that I might lean towards that are a balance of what I like and what I can do are actually video games. Um, so okay. at some point in time, I do want to learn the Unreal Engine. But I did think about that when it came to putting out a TCG just because, you know, uh, when I found out that magic was telling a story within the cards, I was like, what? Yeah. The whole time, the whole yes, time they were doing absolutely. that, I was like, wow, that is so crazy. That blew my mind. Like when I came when I found the part of the YouTube, the YouTubes that were talking about like, like the, the stories of Akoria and like what was happening in Innistrad. Oh my God. I am so crazy about the stories in Innistrad right now. I mean, I mean that arcane, come on, arcane league of legends, that yeah. TV show that just came out, they came, it came with so much energy that I just freaking loved. I love story. I think that's the thing that gets me. So, um, so, so, with having a lot of things that I like, I think I might end up doing a, a video game um, type deal. Um, but it's hard to not when you're a kid, at least, or, you know, when you're just young and you're like, oh, I love these cards. I would love to make my own because then I can design what I want. Like I can make it exactly what I want, um, so, which yeah. which is what makes me happy when I see all these Kickstarters come out because I'm like, oh, these people, this is freaking hard to do, and they're doing something that they really love, and they're probably not going to make any money on it. But I, I respect it, I guess. Yeah, I mean, All at the end of the day, there. they they had a dream and they did it, so mm -hmm. I guess that that is worth something, even if they didn't become millionaires. I'm sure, it's very fulfilling still. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, and and I definitely commend people for that. Kind of Though... like opening a game store. <laughs> exactly, kind of like but... opening a game store. It's fun. It's something that. <laughs> You know, I'm not sitting behind a desk all day, even though it's getting to be more and more that way, the bigger we get. But yeah. That's a good and a bad thing. Oh, I hate it. I hate the idea of not being in the store mm -hmm. for eight, 10, 12 hours a day sometimes. Mm. But I am yeah. a control freak in that way. Well, but I mean, you put so much time and effort into building this thing and making it what it was and just like hustling your ass off for five years. I can understand why you feel that way. Um, but also it's a great sign, though, too, that you've been doing a lot of the right things this whole time. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I'm very fortunate to have some of the best guys in my employment, and I'm very happy for them and very glad to have them. So, um, yeah, having them around definitely makes everything easier and it wouldn't be what it is without them for sure. Mm -hmm. And you were talking about earlier that you're opening another location, which is awesome, yes. especially yes. considering these times. So tell us like what, what, like what about what's going on in your local area that is just like, I need to put money into a second location. There is, uh, again, when you start from from zero, you kind of limp along, you know, and take little. If you may, you may be. You, you, have you seen Squid Game? <laughs> yes. Where you jump from, you jump from glass pane on the bridge to glass pane, hoping that you don't fall through. <laughs> and each step, you feel like you won, until you have to get to the next one. 
Right. So you're not done yet. <laughs> like, what? This is just, it's worse. This isn't better. This is worse. And then mm-hmm. it just kind of snowballs and you, you know, you keep going. So there's, there's a lot about the area that we're in that we don't like. And even since, uh, since we moved in, a lot of things have uh, deteriorated and, and gotten worse. Um, you know, like in uh, the building, uh, it's just in the, in the area in the area oh okay i see i see so it's not been you know again it's when you sign a lease and you're in it for five years um that's a long time to be sitting somewhere and if something it's a commitment something happens you know um i've talked about on my channel before how we've had uh, break-ins and 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 robberies and things like that in the area and nothing nothing i can really do about that because i'm there i'm stuck there so uh, opening a second store is just a way to uh, spread uh, my customers out and, and, and capture more of my customers that maybe uh, either it's too far to drive or maybe they maybe, you know, don't like the area and don't want to uh, venture out that far. I understand. So uh, I got to take my stuff to them. And that's really mm-hmm. the, the main part of it. We're kind of like in the, the southwestern end of Louisville and now we're moving out to the the, the furthest east mm-hmm. kind of like the, the county line so it's kind of a a big spread of, of of places and obviously demographics change so yeah it's 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 i'm paying more for this building that is a third of the size but yeah it's it's uh it's just the, the way it is and that's the the demographics and and how things are when you have to um pay up for good spots Will you eventually, um, when your lease gets out, will you eventually move completely into that second location? Oh, we definitely would not Is close it... that location. We would, if we move, we would move and just open up another second location, our first oh, location, okay. I guess. But mm-hmm. um, I don't know. I, again, I've spent five years putting everything I, I have into that place, though, too. So it's kind of like I'm kind yeah. of entrenched. I'm kind of, I don't know if I want to move. I don't know. Mm hmm. Yeah, a lot to think about, but yeah. I mean, that's awesome that you've been successful enough, though, to have the capital to. Yeah, I mean, even, it's, you know, so you've think about, think about that. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that, that, that's really amazing. That That's really exciting. Um, I mean, when it comes to like your di- digital presence versus your local presence, it, does your local presence do better than the website? Um, definitely. Yeah, on certain things. It's just, again, it kind of depends. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of the stuff, and again, things like card singles and stuff like that, people like seeing them in person. People like being able to come down and, you know, if I have a stack of, I don't know, uh, base set chances, they want the best one I got, right? That's, you know, or best whatever in that condition that yeah. they can afford. So, uh, yeah, they'll look through them and they'll be able to do that where they couldn't do that on a website because we just have, you it's know, really hard. We just have placeholder images for all of our stuff so it's really oh okay so yeah, it's not so, actual okay i mean that would take i have maybe three thousand items in my inventory that would take forever to take actual real photos of everything yeah so, yeah, yeah it, i can i can understand that and you know that's the the pros and cons of having a website like that you know as opposed to running something off of ebay and but you know that's yeah, it's just how much do you value time versus maybe that extra sale you might get if you had yeah. actual pictures. Um, but yeah, just stuff like that, that those sorts of decisions. 
and that we've made along the way that yeah i feel very fortunate and it's kind of uh you know validating that we're doing something right you know so hopefully um it continues yeah yeah absolutely it seems like you guys are very adaptable and you have to be, you have to be. there's nothing about this business that is permanent again i'm carrying product lines and things like, like manga anime gundams i didn't even know what a gundam was before i opened this business um <laughs> D, D stuff um i couldn't tell you uh, the classes off the top of my head and now i can i can tell you every figure that whiz kids makes for them i can tell you you know i am the D, &D expert and i don't even play and don't know anything about it but i buy it all <laughs> and i have to look at it all day so yeah i know a lot about it that's awesome <laughs> yeah um, so yeah that's definitely you have to be able to grow and learn and willing to learn and just yeah pivot on what your community needs and basically just also the trends and what things are, are popular and what's not um and one thing that we've had to do here recently is uh, acknowledge that some lines of product in my store don't sell well they just don't and for whatever reason uh, it's just not doing great so we have to move on and move and make space for other things that we could be carrying that could do well mm -hmm. so um that's been a process because again you kind of feel like you like you're abandoning products or it's things that i mean you have some locals that do expect it from you but you know it's obviously not sustaining when you have tens of thousands of dollars in product sitting there and you maybe sell 100 bucks a month on it it's just not worth it and you gotta get a cut your ties and, and move on and and you only have so much space and so yeah. much capital obviously so you know it's sometimes you got to cut your losses that's been the hardest thing of growing and and kind of after being five years that yeah tastes and and interests have changed so you're not trying to get stuck into the sunken cost fallacy like if i keep it for a little bit longer you oh know. we used to oh god yeah. we used to yeah um but yeah it, it's it's so much easier to to get your because Again, we